I won't ask your name, but this is Flight Lieutenant Charlton, who is going to fly you to Germany. I'm afraid you've been left in for a rotten job on my account, Gregory smiled as he took the pilot's hand. Charlton shrugged. Nothing like as dangerous as the sort of thing you're apparently going to do. Gregory's mission had begun in real earnest now. He was a lone wolf, without food or refuge, and only his wits could save him from being torn to pieces by the ferocious enemy pack now that he was hunting in their territory. The Scarlet Impostor At the moment when Dennis Wheatley began to wage World War II from inside Winston Churchill's bunker, he had already been fighting it for years in the pages of his books. The most popular pre-war thriller writer in England, Wheatley wrote a series of novels that featured British secret agent Gregory Sallust. Sallust is daring, handsome, and ruthless. He speaks German like a native. His girlfriend, the anti-Nazi Erika von Epp, is the second most beautiful woman in Germany. He knows his way around a magnum of 1920 Lurie Rue de Before there was James Bond, there was Gregory Sallust. Throughout the books, Salas is locked in constant battle with SS Gruppenführer Grauber, the chief of the Gestapo's foreign section. Grauber, diabolical, sadistic, with an eye patch, a makeup-wearing boyfriend, and a Peter Lorre voice, becomes Salas's archenemy and an all-purpose villain throughout the series. Salas repeatedly poses as a German officer and inserts himself into the key events of the war. It is Sallust who fools Hitler into invading Russia, whose deceit saves Moscow, who steals a key document from the safe of Hermann Goering that keeps Britain from surrender in its darkest days. The spy meets and invariably impresses a variety of historical figures with his dazzling military assessments. His knowledge is encyclopedic, his strategic analysis brilliant. He is a master of deception. Wheatley puts Sallust, von Epp, and Sallust's confederate, Russian defector Stefan Kuperovich, through a truly exhausting gauntlet of danger. But their adventures were set against a backdrop of events that were not only real, but because Wheatley wrote so quickly, virtually up to the minute. The Black Baroness, which ends with Winston Churchill's speech on June 17, 1940, the day of Francis' surrender to the Nazis, was written and published by October, four months later. It was not the first time that a fiction writer inserted his characters into real events, of course, but it was possibly the first time those events threatened to crash through the ceiling into a reader's living room, even as he held the book in his lap. Rather than sending Sallust into battle, however, what Wheatley really wanted was to be fighting himself. Dennis Wheatley was, like the character he invented, debonair, a man of high tastes. He had a prominent chin and thick dark hair he wore parted in the middle. He sometimes fancied a smoking jacket. But when Britain entered the war, he was 42, too old to be called to combat. He was the only member of his family not to join the war effort. His wife, Joan, loved cars and knew how much gasoline different makes used, and she soon became MI5's petrol queen, allocating scarce gasoline for British intelligence. She also worked as a driver using her own car. Wheatley spent his time attacking another kind of enemy, the ration board. It was no contest. Wheatley bought provisions for his household, which included four Wheatleys and three maids, for a month. 
He bought a stock of cigars from Benson and Hedges. Cigars were the only vice he didn't have, but he expected guests. He went to Justerini's in Pall Mall and bought, on credit, the maximum amount of wines and liqueurs they would sell him. His own entertainment taken care of, he concentrated on the war career of his protagonist, Sallust, providing much-needed diversion for a tense nation. Keeping Sallust in mortal peril required collecting and synthesizing everything about the war that was available without a security clearance. Understanding how the Nazis fought, learning about the neutral countries, assessing the political and military forces on all sides, analyzing strategy, predicting next moves. Wheatley read voraciously, followed the news in minute detail, and lunched frequently with friends whose work put them in a position to know things.